Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast contains scenes of graphic violence and strong language. When you're locked up in a concrete coffin, 23 hours of a 24-hour day, sometimes in life you've got to do something mad. The madder it is, the more dangerous it is, the better it fucking is. I've got to be honest with you, I've had a fucking party. Today on the Indo Daily, Charles Bronson is one of the most notorious inmates in history. In 1999, he was given a discretionary life sentence after keeping his prison art teacher captive for almost two days. Phil Danielson had apparently been critical of one of Bronson's artworks. During his time in prison, He's received 17 convictions, taken 11 hostages and attacked more than 20 prisoners and staff. Yet his parole hearing started yesterday. He told the parole board he had had more porridge than Goldilocks and the Three Bears and I'm sick of it. I'm 70 years old now, Martin. 70 years old. I've never murdered anyone. I've never raped anyone. What am I in jail for? I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Irish Independent Deputy News Editor Rory Tevlin to assess if one of the world's most infamous prisoners is ready to rejoin society. He launched into a, an attack on prison guards after Arsenal won the FA Cup in 2014. He just took the results so bad that he lathered himself up in butter and uh, attacked a number of prison guards. Carnage ensues when he does lose his head and lose his cool. Rory Tevin, Charles Arthur Salvador, Charles Bronson, Michael Peterson. All the one person. Who is Michael Peterson? Michael Peterson is one of the most notorious criminals the UK has ever seen and has spent almost 50 years locked up due to a number of uh, repeated violent offences. So he was born to parents Era and Joe Peterson in Luton, just outside of London, um, and seemingly had a very normal childhood. You know, family members have, have spoken about uh, in the past, how he was uh, quite a normal child, went to school. There was very little to kind of signal what was to come in terms of his criminality at that stage. 
But when he was a teenager, the family moved to Merseyside, where his life kind of changed slightly. At this stage, uh, he became involved in petty crime. And at the age of 13, he kind of fell in with a gang of uh, kind of small-time robbers and was in and out of crime, criminal activity, missed a lot of school, and the, the violence in his life started to come into play at this stage. One of his more famous quotes, he said the best piece of advice he ever got was from his dad, and that was to always get the first punch in. It was only at the age of 22 in 1974 that he had his first proper criminal conviction, and he was sentenced to uh, seven years in prison for an armed robbery. And at this stage is where the, the violence really kind of goes up and his notoriety begins. Yeah, so really he's, he's sentenced for you know, a violent crime, a, a serious crime, but nothing to make you think that 50 years later this man will still be in prison. So what, what happens once he ends up within the, in the prison system? No, certainly in terms of the conviction that he got, he should have been out in, in a relatively sh- short time. But as soon as he gets into the prison system, um, his propensity for unexplained violence and off-the-cuff violence really begins. So in Walton Jail, um, he attacks a prisoner. This begins a kind of pattern where he attacks prisoners, um, prison workers, and is then kind of transferred from prison to prison because of the danger that he, he poses to Everybody, really. Um, And he was once transported, apparently, from um, Yorkshire to London. He was chained to the floor of a prison van. Um, So this kind of shows, you know, the the fear that he engendered in um, prison workers. And he kind of starts out in standard uh, prison, as as you say, and gradually he makes his, his way up through the system, serious high security prisons. In Parkhurst, he becomes friendly with the Cray twins. Yes, more notorious criminals. But it was actually, he was in Wandsworth prison where he tried to poison an inmate. And at that stage, that is where he is transferred to Parkhurst, where he comes into contact with the Cray twins. Born in 1933 in the heart of the East End, Ronnie and his twin brother Reggie started out as boxers. They became the most feared of London's gang leaders. Ronnie, the eldest by 45 minutes, was the violent, dominant partner. Their extensive protection racket, known as The Firm, existed to extort money from shopkeepers, enabling the twins to visibly enjoy the high life. The Cray twins were old-school East End London gangsters who kind of ruled their patch through fear and violence. So you can imagine why they were, <laughs> they became fast friends. But he's referred to the two Grey twins who were, they were actually at that point in jail for the murders of gangland figures Jack McVitie and George Cornell. But Ronnie Cray uh, was, a, was, was a schizophrenic who had paranoid delusions. So the, the two of them, I, I, I'd imagine there was quite a bond between them because uh, both had uh, very violent tendencies. And he also boxed with Reggie Cray. Reggie Cray was quite a good boxer, which... Um, the two of them had in, had in common, so I'd imagine they had a, quite a few quite a few dust ups. He's committed then to the psychiatric facility at, at Broadmoor, but even there, again, high security prison, he, he manages to to stage a, a, a rooftop protest. 
Yeah, this is one of his more notorious protests, but he actually, um, they, they, they believe that he has done uh, millions of pounds worth of damage to various facilities with these protests. In the Broadmoor protests, he managed to get onto the roof of the building um, and started uh, pulling tiles uh, from the building and caused a huge amount of damage. And at this point, I think, it was Broadmoor that kind of launched him into the, the public imagination in terms of uh, his notoriety and, and it began to build from there, really. He gets out in 87. And wh- where, wh- what direction does he go in then? So, 87, he is released from prison and he actually takes up a bare-knuckle boxing career. So, he, he moves to the east end of London um, where he kind of reinvents himself, shall we say. So, it's at this point um, that a boxing promoter uh, says to him that it might be an idea to change his name and the whole Char- Charles Bronson persona is born. So, he changes his name to Charles Bronson and the whole look becomes his trademark. And at this stage as well, while, while he's out uh, of prison for a very short period, it's only a matter of days, um, he has said that he actually, um, he killed a Rottweiler in a, in a fight. This is his claim. Um, killed it for £10,000, 10, which is kind of uh, something that he's uh, referred to in a, a number of the books that he's written uh, during his time in prison. So he's got this persona then, shaven head, very muscular, uh, handlebar moustache and this is where the the kind of the the Charles Bronson myth kind of takes hold he's released then in 92 and he's he's back in again f- 50 days later so what, what's going on during that period of the late 80s early 90s interestingly the uh, crime that got him back in prison in the late 80s he actually robbed a jewellery store and initially, um, it looked like he, he w- wouldn't be convicted for that offence because a number of the witnesses um, weren't uh, weren't going to, to proceed with their evidence against him. But it was actually a girlfriend of his that um, became a state's witness. So at that point, he kind of I think he knew the jig was up, and he pleaded guilty to the offence. So that landed him back in prison. Um, where he continued his kind of, uh, you know, his pattern of uh, extreme violence. But then again, he was released in 1992. Um, and and again, just a matter of days, I think it was six, 60 days or thereabouts, he'd landed himself back in trouble for another, another violent offence on the outside. So he just couldn't stay out of trouble. So he's in ever since uh, for, for the last 30 years. And... Effectively, the crimes on the inside have be, have become ever more serious. Yes, so he actually ratcheted up the violence, and I think the most notorious crime behind bars that he's known for is the uh, the hostage situation um, he was involved in with a prison teacher by the name of Phil Danielson. The siege at Hull Prison, which began when an inmate, Charles Bronson described as Britain's most dangerous prisoner, took a member of staff hostage, has ended after 43 hours. So this was in 1999 in a a prison in Hull, um, which is in in Yorkshire. So he took uh, the art teacher hostage after he had made a number of critiques about uh, Charles Bronson's artwork. He, he, he tied a rope around his neck and he, can be, he was seen on CCTV dragging Phil Danielson around uh, by, by the neck and he also threatened to stab him with a, uh, a makeshift spear. Um, so this was 
a horrendous experience for uh, Phil Danielson, who, who I, I believe has not been able to work since and has suffered from PTSD in the aftermath of it. So uh, that, that attack alone landed him with uh, the discretionary life sentence, um, which is very kind of open-ended and kind of brings us up to where we are today in terms of his parole. Yeah, we've had we've had inmates taken hostage as well. So he's a very physically imposing person. So he is capable of carrying out these attacks uh, and inflicting very serious damage on people. So you know they're not idle threats. Absolutely not. And I I think uh, as well is the it doesn't take much for him to launch into uh, you know. Violence, uh, that is the thing. It's the unpredictability, I think, of it. And uh, infamously in 2014, Charles Bronson is a Tottenham fan and he launched into a an attack on prison guards after Arsenal won the FA Cup in 2014. He's actually spoken about this himself. He, he, he just took the results so bad that he lathered himself up in butter um, and uh, attacked a number of prison guards and injured, I think, over 10 prison guards were injured in this attack. So, you know, Critiquing his artwork, Arsenal winning a big match. These are the things that can set him off. And, you know, uh, carnage ensues when he does lose his head and lose his cool. Yes, a number of Manchester United fans might empathise with him this week, but I don't think you see them going to those uh, extremes. At the same time, he becomes this pop culture figure. He's, He's kind of a... Yeah, uh, some sort of celebrity, really, in in the in in the the UK. Not as not as much over here. We've got a movie, even. Yes. Um, well, uh, this is this is in two thousand and eight. Um, his his public notoriety is such that they decided to make a film about him while he's still in prison, which I believe is based off uh, some of the writings he's done. He's he's been published a number of times for uh, different things, his own prison experiences. He, he's even done a fitness book um, based on his uh, fitness regime in solitary confinement. But uh, Tom Hardy um, actually played him in the film. My name's Charles Brunson. There's nothing wonky about my upbringing. Like most kids, I got into trouble. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, bad. And all my life, I've wanted to be famous. Some people don't think it's a great film, but I, I think in terms of Tom Hardy managed to uh, physically transform himself uh, in, into... Uh, uh, Charles Bronson and yeah, it was, it was dr- dramatic and goes into the the life of crime behind bars uh, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, t- Tom Hardy also features in a movie about the craze, also not not critically acclaimed. No, you'd, you'd no, have certainly to say. not. But yeah, there, there, Hardy does capture uh, the, the image, I suppose, of the man, if not if not quite the the, the essence of him. There's also a, you know the Channel Four documentary. As you said that there's been books. There's been artwork that 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 he has has produced. Tell us about the the ex Coronation Street actress. Yes, yeah, so Charles Bronson has been married a number of times. He's actually been married three times. His first marriage was before um, all the madness started, really, and and they divorced while he's in prison. But his third marriage was to an ex Coronation Street actress who they met while while he was in prison, obviously. 
He's told me that. Mm. He said that I have helped him a lot. I mean, since I, I mean, I come into his life in 2013, he's helped me an incredible amount. I mean, we were talking before about depression, and I've suffered a lot in the past with my mm. sort of depression and, and things like that. And when I started writing to Charlie, he was a fantastic support for me. Mm. And in turn, I've been a very good support for him as well. And they divorced not long after, but the, the marriage or the, the ceremony, should we say, was kind of preceded by all sorts of kind of uh, eccentric behaviour, should we say, where the, the, the bride, Paula Williamson, walked through the town with a Charles Bronson lookalike um, before the ceremony actually took place. Um, and they, that marriage didn't, didn't last long, uh, and, and tragically she, she, was, she was found dead in her home and, uh, a short while after they divorced. Um, there were no suspicious circumstances in that, but um, his, his love life is, has been equally equally colourful uh, as his criminal criminal background. And he has a son, he or does he? Well, he has two sons. So he has a son with with his first his first wife, um, Irene, um, who who was born uh, b before his his first um, major criminal conviction. Um, but there is another son who has uh, come into his life in, in recent years uh, by the name of George Bambi. Um, who was an ex-paparazzi uh, photographer um, who uh, reportedly Charles Bronson saw him on a TV programme um, related to his photography and work in the media and Charles believed that he had the family nose. So contact was made. Uh, George uh, then took a DNA test. Uh, uh, hairs were plucked from Charles uh, Bronson's moustache uh, behind bars and the DNA test was taken we had the first visit, which was two hours, and we laughed and we joked and it had me in tears. And then at the end of the visit, he, he'd taken two hairs which he'd pulled out of his moustache and he put them in a napkin. And he said to me, take them. I want you to have them. The next day, I got a phone call and it was Charlie. And he said, do you remember yesterday those things that, you gave to, uh, mm. that I gave to you? So I said, yeah. And he said, I want you to get them tested for DNA. And I said, why would I want to get tested for DNA? And he said, because I think I might be your dad. And the claim is that he is his biological son. Now, there's members of the Bronson family connected to Charles who doubt this story, but for the time being, you know, that is, that is what we're told to be true, is that uh, George Bambi is his second son. And George has actually been involved in the documentary that appeared on Channel 4, and has been in contact with him very regularly over years and has been involved in his, his, his attempts to get out of prison after nearly 50 years. Now, at the moment, Michael Peterson slash Charles Bronson is Charles Salvador. And this is in tribute to, to Salvador Dali, the surrealist Spanish painter. So he now sees himself as, as effectively an artist. Yeah, his claim is that his art has helped him rehabilitate inside. One of his recent lines in terms of the parole is that he's, he's given up the sawn-off shotgun for a sawn-off paintbrush, which is, he, he, he certainly has a way of words. Um, but yeah, 2014, he changed his name again to Charles Salvador, and he seems to be obsessed with Salvador Dali, and the whole look now is based on that. So he, he said that in 2014, and this is part of the narrative as well, that he's, he's putting out there that, you know, that he's a reformed character. But, you know, he said that Charles Bronson died in 2014, and 
Charles Salvador was born. So, you know, one door closed and another opened. But whether you believe that now is, 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 an, is another story. We're now brought to the point where for the last 20 years, parole hasn't really uh, come up with such as the seriousness of, of his crimes. There now is a, almost a campaign building up uh, around uh, freeing Charles, uh, Charles Bronson, we should call him. And he's up for parole. So what are we expecting here? So his case is actually, it's been reviewed seven times. Um, but, you know, there's been no 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 movement on getting out of prison due to, due to the perceived threat. Um, so he's the first person under under new laws in the UK uh, to apply for, the, for a public parole hearing. It's all about the transparency of the process. Um, and he'll be actually the second person um, to get a public hearing. So, so the parole hearing is uh, taking place this week um, over a number of days. So there's two, two public hearings where he will actually be beamed in from the prison uh, via video link. And then there is a kind of closed hearing on Friday. Now, the uh, Justice Secretary Dominic, Dominic Rabb is opposing uh, this. Charles Bronson has actually reached out to Dominic Rabb to appeal for his uh, for his release. Um, but depending on who you talk to, you know, there people have varying views on whether he'll be successful. I've never killed anyone. I've never armed a woman. Never armed a child. I'm focused. I'm settled. I can actually smell and taste freedom like I've never ever done it in life. One of the things that his team, his defence team, his solicitors are trying to cling to is the fact that, you know, in studies, um, violent crime and recidivism, it, it, the, the risk drops to nil once you hit 70, um, which he has, uh, lo and behold. But a lot of psychologists say in his case that that just doesn't apply because of the threat. He's persistently shown uh, throughout the years that he poses to uh, other people. So it will be interesting to see his own family members, I think, aren't um, too confident of his release, but he himself has said that he can taste freedom um, and he's, he's saying all the, all the right things in terms of uh, being a uh, reformed character. But interestingly, in the documentary he did on Channel 4, there was no kind of you know, no contrition around the attack on, on the art teacher or a lot of the crimes he's committed behind bars. You know, in his words, um, he's, ha- he's, had a, he's had a party throughout his life. So, you know, I'd say his victims would probably have a different view. My thanks to Rory Tevlin. I'm Fiannon Sheehan, and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Paul Highland, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Channel 4, the BBC... Sky News, The Express and ITV. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.